Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. You can also send in your comments and questions directly to us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, heavy D-O-W. He is at Giants WFAN. As Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So a rough outing for the Giants out in Vegas as they fall to the Raiders 30-6. to Daniel Jones goes down with a knee injury. Brian Dable spoke with reporters earlier today right before we went on, and he did confirm what the team's worst fear was. Daniel Jones has torn his ACL and is out for the season. So it's a somber day across the roster. We heard from some players as well specifically Andrew Thomas and Darius Slayton, who have already been in contact with Daniel Jones and have said that you know he's himself still trying to digest this news, especially given the fact that, Paul, he just made it back from the neck injury that cost him three games. He comes out, and on the very first play of the second quarter, he all of a sudden has to go down because of what happened on the last play of the first quarter. So clearly disappointing news all across the board, but now the process of rehab will begin We've seen other quarterbacks go through torn ACLs, and we've seen other quarterbacks come out better on the opposite side. But right now, the focus is to get him on the right path to try to embrace this injury and move forward. Exactly. In fact, Coach Dable also said they did not know the scheduling of the surgery for the torn ACL. Uh, Coach had said only 10 minutes earlier he was with uh, Dable, uh, with uh, Jones, and the doctors had stopped in just to see Daniel to get the confirmation uh, and it was just not enough to process everything right there and there. So we'll we'll still wait and see uh, what that means, hopefully norm- for Daniel. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say, normally with ACLs, if they're swelling in the knee, right. not to play doctor here, but sometimes they have to wait till they ultimately right. get it's surgery. It's not an That's immediate surgery. what I just surgery. wanted to throw out. Correct. Point, exactly. get, point well made. Yeah. Now, obviously, the sooner, the better. You hope sure. there's no swelling so that they can get in there, do what they need to do quickly. And then, well, it's uh, start of November. 
who knows how long the rehab will take for him. Some guys, it's less than others. Some guys, it's more than others. So I don't think anyone is comfortable venturing a guess as to how long he may be out, other than we know he's lost for the season. And I think it's it's reasonable to understand that in the spring, he's he's going to do very little uh, in the, during the spring workouts. Now, whether or not he makes it back for training camp or for the start of the regular season, that all remains a total guess, which we will not entertain during this program. Uh, I will say this. I me- mentioned it on the post-game show last night um, after after where it was. We were getting on the team buses, and, and I came on to do a, a locker room reaction spot. It's devastating news because they had just gotten him back. That's what makes it all the more painful as a gut punch. Because if you lose a guy to an injury such as this, it's a very big deal, and it's it's a terrible shot to the jaw. But when you consider what Daniel's already been through in his career, had just come back yesterday for the first time since his second neck injury, and, you know, I know the first quarter did not go well. The Raiders scored a very nice uh, drive, nice touchdown Right drive. out of the gates, yeah. They were feeling real good. They were pumped up. They were rocking the building. I know that we don't have we have no idea what would have happened if Daniel Jones had played all four quarters yesterday. Would the Giants have lost just the same? Maybe. Would they have lost a close game? Maybe. Could they have come back in the second half like they did against Arizona? Maybe. None of us will know. It's a hypothetical. So world. that's a yeah. pointless question to answer. But what I will say is that the pain and the devastation mentally and emotionally of losing him in that way right after he came back made it worse. That, to me, is is absolutely unequivocally a fact. It made it much, much worse. It's not just losing a quarterback to an ACL on any given play. It's because of the circumstances and the timing of it that made it so devastating for the team yesterday. And in my opinion, human nature... It took all the air out of the balloon, and I just, in my opinion, I don't think emotionally and mentally the Giants were in a situation where they were going to be able to come back out of that hole after watching Daniel go down under those circumstances. That's my opinion. That's my belief. I'm not going to uh, tell you that the players felt that way other than to say after the game that was a very quiet locker room. And that could very well be the case. I mean, you do also go back to the Jets game, and I understand it wasn't Daniel. Tyrod, though, goes down, and they played a really good game until, unfortunately, the final 30 seconds of the contest. So I think you have some evidence that goes both ways, but let's put it this way. It doesn't help the cause when you see your quarterback go down early in the second quarter with a knee injury, and he immediately has to walk back to the locker room. And I want to get into the ebbs and flows and some takeaways of the game, but one other thing that I just want to mention, at least looking forward, Paul, in the immediate future for this season, you have Tommy DeVito still on the roster, and he's filled in each of the last two weeks, and they have Matt Barkley on the practice squad, who they just added, who has familiarity with what Brian Dable ran in Buffalo. He never crossed paths with Mike Kafka, and it's a combination, remember, of the two, but Barkley, little by little, is getting comfortable with the scheme. So those are the two options that they will be able to turn to. And the other thing that I want to throw out 
Tyrod Taylor has to stay on IR for at least the next three games. So you're looking at that through the bye. After the bye week, they have not ruled Tyrod Taylor out for the season. So it's possible he does return to the mix. Then again, I could also see them maybe saying they want to evaluate a younger quarterback. We could go a hundred different ways with this, but the point is Tyrod has not been ruled out for the season. That's right. it's possible that we see him again. The problem is, once again, you're not going to get him back until after the bye week because once you go on IR, minimum, you have to sit out four games, and he's only been out now for one game. So the next three, he's going to be a spectator. Yeah, I think uh, as far as Tyrod is concerned, Dable said he did not know exactly what the time frame was in terms of his rib injury and how quickly that might heal. Sure. He would not rule out him coming back and would also not say he's done for the season. Uh, I know I know Tyrod has talked to us uh, and just said that, you know, he's doing okay. Well, okay doesn't mean you're football ready. Sure. So yeah. I don't want to jump to any conclusions there. But I do think that as far as the Giants quarterback situation is concerned, you know what? I I would look at it this way. If it were me, and I'm not in a position to make this decision, but if I were, I would probably ride with the two guys I have for now and play it out for the three weeks. And if Tyrod Taylor is able to come back after the four weeks on injured reserve, then I'd say, okay, you know what? You go back in and You'll be the number one guy, and uh, we'll just move forward from there. I I don't know right now that there's a whole lot to gain by bringing in a third quarterback today. No. I mean, at this point, once again, especially if it doesn't have anyone that has a connection to Kafka or Dable, you're going to need some time for that quarterback to get used to what you're running. Darius Slayton actually brought up an interesting point because he had mentioned when Daniel went down in 2021, and that was when he missed the last six games due to the neck injury, you had at least two players on the roster who had been here for the entirety of the season. So you at least knew you were throwing in somebody that had been in training camp, understood what went on in the quarterback room. Tommy DeVito's been here in that situation, okay? Matt Barkley hasn't, but once again, you at least know he has ties to Brian Dable. You go down the road of bringing in anybody else that you want to name on the street, Paul, they're not going to be able to snap their fingers and no. immediately absorb the offense overnight. It's just I not going to happen. totally agree with you. So I'm with you. I think the sensible move is you ride DeVito and you ride Barkley. And are they going to have a conversation? Meaning is Barkley that much more comfortable this week compared to where he was last week? Perhaps. But, I mean, they allowed DeVito to take advantage of the playbook this week, which is what we expected. And DeVito talked about that after the game, Paul, right? Weather wasn't an issue this week. There was at least an understanding, hey, God forbid Daniel gets hurt. We know who's going to come in. We know exactly what we want to do. And you had DeVito. He was 15 of 20 for 175 yards. He threw his first touchdown pass to Wondell Robinson of his career. And he did have the two interceptions. One was a hot potato, which deflected off of Darius Slayton, then Marcus Peters, and then Nate Hobbs got it. And then the other one, he was trying to go for the deep ball. And you had two Raiders in the vicinity in a double-covered situation. And Amik Robertson made a great play on the ball. Ball was underthrown. Sure. You know, and, and DeVito knows that. Uh, they went for the big one. and uh, They went for the home it, run. And it, yeah. didn't, and it didn't work out. But I like the fact that they tried, to be frank with you. Well, you I needed mean, to, based on the circumstances. Right? For yeah. everybody who said, well, they didn't let DeVito throw the ball uh, in the rain against the Jets uh, the previous week. Uh, all right. They, they gave DeVito some chances to throw the ball. And, you know, he got sacked six times. 
So let's not let's not kid ourselves. He was not in an incubator quarterback situation. He was under duress, big time duress, as the Raiders had already gotten that momentum going, and the snowball was just rolling downhill at rapid rate. And he was in a very, very, very impossible situation and held up as best as anybody probably could. And I give him credit. I was just looking here. And, and again, I know it was in Garbage time, as Marv Albert used to say, early fourth quarter, you know, but bridging the third and fourth quarters, 11 plays, 84 yards, six-minute drive. You know, if, if I'm Tommy DeVito and I'm trying to look for things to learn from and things to chew on and things to potentially say, well, hey, I, I showed I showed a flash. I would look at that drive. I would go back and I would say, despite the fact that the Raiders were in prevent defense, obviously, you know, they, they were kind of playing out the game. Tommy DeVito still had to do what he had to do. And the touchdown pass was a nice scramble roll out to the right. He, he looked, he found uh, Robinson in the corner of the end zone yep. wide open. And zipped the ball to him. And there was no panic on that. He was calm, cool, collected, methodically got the ball to him, touchdown. So, yeah, you know, if I'm if I'm Tommy DeVito this morning, aside from the fact that I've just lost a teammate to a devastating injury and my team is having a, a very, very rough season, I'm upset about those things for sure. But am I looking at, at a couple of glimmers of things that I did well? Sure I am. I'm looking at that drive. Well, there's absolutely more to build on compared to where we were Good last week coming out of the Jets game. And yeah, and there's also film for him to look back on and the coaching staff to determine what they liked and what they can improve on. It's just, it goes back to whether Daniel Jones has been under center, whether it's been Tyrod Taylor, whether it's been Tommy DeVito, whoever you want to throw out, Paul, the common trend has been the inability to consistently score points, okay? This is now the eighth time in nine games they've been under 20. Five of those games, they've been 10 or less. And digging themselves in an early hole and putting themselves, as you mentioned, in a very precarious spot, mm -hmm. which you were talking about. Because you go back to this game and, you know, we can talk about complimentary football we want. Raiders in the blink of an eye, six plays, 67 yards. Paul, they did not face one third down on that opening drive. And they were running the ball. And that was a glimmer of hope for a team that had not been able to effectively run the ball up to that point. You know, Josh Jacobs led the NFL in rushing last season. There was no sign that that was going to repeat itself this season based on the first eight games. So you can imagine the confidence that the Raiders' offense got. I mean, look at the chunks. Jacobs, five yards, 10 yards. Then even after a penalty, he comes back, he runs for eight. They get Jacoby Myers on a 24-yard slant. Then Jacobs comes back for eight, and then Myers ran in on an end around for 17. So all of the runs, there was nothing fancy, Paul. But they were big chunks. We're not talking about two yards, three yards, four yards, and maybe you got to all of a sudden get into a manageable third and two. These are first, second downs, and that's it. So that was a bit troubling from the defensive side of things. Well, the shame of it is after the Raiders' opening drive touchdown, uh, when they got the ball first, obviously the Giants had to kick off and they didn't do anything with it. Uh, the Giants come right back, and Jones takes him from his 28 all the way to the 34, and... You know, he's marked short on the fourth, fourth and, and one. one. Yeah. But that that's a solid drive. There's nothing wrong with that drive. Well, but once and again. And Barkley, good mixture. And Barkley's doing what he wants to do. And they get right down the field. And you're thinking like, okay, fine. And then they get marked short on the fourth down. I'll be frank with you. I was on the field. I thought he had it. But that's irrelevant. Okay. Raiders get the ball. 
and they go three and out. So it's like, all right, there's nothing impossible or Herculean that you have to do to get back into this game. It's only seven to nothing. And the next Giants drive, what do they do? 20-yard line after the touchback. And they get into Raider territory. They cross the 50. They're moving the ball well. Barkley's doing his thing. And then Daniel Jones gets hurt. I guess what I'm saying to you is, the first quarter, I'm I'm like, all right, this this probably going to be a competitive football game. I'm, there's nothing there that's upsetting me, to be frank with you. If I'm the Giants, that's making me think that I can't win this game and this is a reversal of some of the good vibes that you got from the team the last couple of weeks when they were extremely competitive. There's nothing there that, 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 that said blowout. No, not at all. I'm just saying that when you reference those drives in terms of them being within striking distance, we've seen those drives before. At the end of the day, you don't get anything to help you score-wise out of that. I mean, it's a result-oriented business. I'm pointing to taking those drives and finishing them. You know, with the exception of, Paul, the commander's game, when they put a pair of touchdowns on the board, we have not seen another game like that this year. I'm talking about you jumping out to a maybe 10-point lead and putting the opponent in a position where they have to play from behind. And that changes things dramatically. We have discussed that all year. The Giants... If you, if you look at the balance of the clock, they have had a couple of specks of sand where it comes down to time of possession with the lead during the course of this season. There's no question. That has been a significant detriment to this club all year long. And that's what I'm getting at. And I think, to your point, did it turn when Daniel got hurt and a few of those drives stalled? 100%. But there were opportunities earlier, whether it be on defense or offense, to prevent the team that you knew. We were on Friday's program. What were we talking about? Antonio Pierce taking over. They have nothing to lose. The coaching staff maybe utilizing different personnel. I threw out Hunter Renfro, and he made a few big plays. They had the deep ball to Trey Turner. Their first drive, this touchdown drive for the Raiders, Michael Myers. Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. The tight end. Michael Myers is uh, from Halloween, yes. Well, that's what it yeah. felt like yesterday, okay? <laughs> yes, well, we, really we're did. not that far removed from home. No, it was yes. a horror show. It felt like that. Yeah. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, a guy who I loved coming out of school, they view him as a blocker. He's not really a big play receiver for them. He catches two, two passes on the opening touchdown drive. So they did change things up a little bit, and there is no doubt, if you watch the game, exactly what we talked about Friday. Antonio Pierce was going to have... A, a keg of gunpowder just waiting to explode in that stadium when the Giants arrived for that kickoff. And they did not force-feed Devontae Adams, which is something we also mm-hmm. talked about Friday, and I said that they shouldn't do that because that would play right into the hands of the what Giants. the final targets for Adams? I, let me look. I, he didn't have, obviously, a big seven. game. Seven. Okay. Seven well, And I think he had seven the previous week on one catch against the Lions. Yeah, for on a Monday guy night. like that, I fully expected double-digit targets. Yeah, they they didn't have to. You know, and the Giants, in fairness, did a nice job defensively on Devontae. You, know, you saw them bracketing him, and they didn't let him run wild, which means you put the emphasis on somebody else not named Devontae Adams. And to the Raiders' credit, those guys did come through, and they made plays. But it also brings me back to the defensive side of the ball. And every week when we put the defense under the microscope, and this is what happens when you don't score enough points, 
you're asking your defense to come up with game-changing plays, Paul. It's just not realistic. I may say it. I'm not expecting it to happen. But here's a game where the Giants, they didn't have one sack. They didn't have one takeaway. Okay? Now, this was a Raiders team that had trouble in pass protection. Aiden O'Connell, when he made his first start against the Chargers a few weeks ago, Khalil Mack had a field day. He had six of the team's seven sacks. So this team has had trouble protecting whoever is back there, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Aiden O'Connell. They had not run for over 100 yards in any of their first eight games. They got a buck 25. They had one turnover in all eight games prior to the Giants game. No turnovers. So they went to the extreme in the opposite end of the direction, and you needed the Giants' defense to capitalize against an offense that had been troublesome, and that never came to fruition, and this is what happens when the offense is not putting together sustainable drives and the defense is coming out left and right. If the defense can't become the offense, can't score points, can't generate a change in field positioning, more often than not, you're going to get the results that we saw on Sunday because we've seen similar scripts be followed in other games this season. Great mixture of pass plays by the Raiders. I will tell you that. They they had the occasional deeper throw, but they also had a bunch of, of shorter passes where their guys were, were just able to get wide open. And nice so, designs, too. you got to give them credit. They, they, no. Especially in the red zone, I thought they ran some good I, stuff. I marveled at how they were able to do what they did again against this uh, Giants D. But the two things that, that I cannot quantify and I want to make this very clear. I cannot quantify. I know what I felt on the sidelines when Jones went out. This game was not a, quote, Raiders game. It was not. They did not have their, their hands on the stranglehold or the, the neck of this game until after Jones got hurt. Uh, you could make an argument that the Giants, certainly if not played with them, had, had with the two drives they had, they had two more impressive drives than the Raiders did. Uh, through the first quarter, and then Jones gets hurt. Um, the emotion and the mentality of that team took a triple gut punch at that moment. Again, I'm not going to be hypothetical about where it would have gone, but the snowball just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger when Daniel was taken off the field. Or uh, Let me rephrase that. He wasn't taken off the field. He was able to walk off with the doctors. But I remember watching him when he went through that tunnel to leave. The emotion, the mentality, it was, it, was, it was hard. It was hard to deal with. And this is a tough game, a very, very tough game to play. And physically, it's hard enough as it is. If you are not mentally and emotionally at your peak when you're out on, on that field, it can snowball against you in a hurry. And that's what I think happened to the Giants yesterday. Well, then on top of that, the two interceptions didn't help because the Raiders actually scored 10 points off of those takeaways. And that's it's really part of the snowball. how things ballooned. That's what it is. It's in part favor of, the snowball. of Las Vegas. It's just, it, once again, it goes back to when Daniel was on the field, the importance of just getting to manufacture points immediately. And that unfortunately just has not happened this season because you know you're up against it based on the injuries that you're dealing with, the lack of production on offense. So the last thing you want to do is continue to allow the opponent to, even if they didn't run away with things to your point score-wise, and I'm with you, it's a 7 nothing game. It doesn't seem like they're miles, miles apart. 
you know there's a difference, Paul, between what the score shows and how the game feels, I guess. Yeah, and the game didn't feel bad. The Giants had two offensive drives that, that, in my opinion, were, were successful drives. They moved the ball out of their territory into Raider territory. Those are successful drives. You know, the feel to me was not like gloom and doom at that point until Daniel got hurt. Sure. I just, to me, I look at more of the results of every drive to classify whether or not it's successful. And when you see those mishaps on those penalty short-circuiting things, and we've seen that, once again, rear its ugly head before, whether or not that was a bad omen in terms of execution. I'm not talking about injury on that front. few reminders before we open up the phone lines here on Monday's edition of BBKL. In terms of single tickets, they are still available. You can check out Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. The Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV. It brings you original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. And you can also check out, of course, the Giants Huddle podcast on Giants.com slash podcast or your favorite podcast platform. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here. Lance Metal, Paul Dottino with you, recapping the Sunday game against the Raiders. Also, the news that Daniel Jones is out for the year with a torn ACL. Let's check in with James in Georgia joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, James? What do you got for us? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hi. Doing right. Uh, what's on your mind? Bad all, bad all around game yesterday. Um, I once again feel like they got out coached by an interim head coach and, uh, you know, rookie, not a rookie quarterback, but. Aiden O'Connell, whoever. Well, he is a rookie quarterback. No, that's accurate. He is a rookie quarterback. (laughs) He only made his second start. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I thought he might have been in the league a lot more. Well, he did look comfortable, I will tell you that. And that goes back to not being able to sack him. And they also, putting sacks aside, they only had one quarterback hit. And quarterback hits are more indicative of pressure and flustering the opposition. So, you know, that's why I pointed to that number along with no takeaways. Hard to then put a rookie quarterback in an uncomfortable spot. Mm -hmm. Um, So with Jones' injury, this should, you know, prove to you that it's time to move on. You, You know, you let him come back next year to welcome in the new guard, but he put your money on the wrong horse and... Here we are where we are. So uh, I'm actually working right this second. So um, all right, James. Well, trying to make this quick, but let's go Giants. And okay, it's just a bad season, but there was always tomorrow. All right, appreciate all the right. phone call. Be well. Yeah. Now, with respect to the future and what the caller was alluding to, there's going to be plenty of time for the franchise to address that. They have ample time to look at all their options. But, I mean, right now, as Paul and I discuss, we're focusing on the remainder of the season. You have to understand, and Paul, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, we do a lot of draft prep work in the months in the offseason. There's going to be a time to dig into everything and options and so forth. I look forward to the season. I like breaking down the games. I like analyzing mm-hmm. the games. And I have every intention to do that moving forward, regardless of how things pan out. So, right. I mean, my eyes are on the Dallas Cowboys game coming up. Not necessarily what... The months of January through March. I don't think I really want to look yeah. at Dallas Cowboys tape this week. Okay, well, <laughs> to be that honest with to be you, the next opponent. If you, also, if you don't mind me saying, that out. I'm so. not going to enjoy that very much. Yeah, I mean, we have no idea where the Giants will draft, who will be available when they do draft. Heck, even even today, how do you know the quote top players in the draft are not going to get hurt between now and the end of the season sure. and wind up? Cha- Remember when Jalen Smith? Came out of Notre Dame, the linebacker, he yep. was going to be all everything. And then in the Orange Bowl, rips his knee to shreds and 
Well, that changed his entire path. Or did I it? mean, so so to hypothetically talk about where you're going to draft and who you're going to draft is absolute foolishness. It makes no sense to anybody, at Plus, least to me. Well, the other thing I was going to say is what about guys declaring for the draft, right? There are some players you think are entering you the draft no and they turn around going back to school. That's the other thing. I have no idea. So, I mean, the game of speculation could go on and on and on, and there's no The, the team will have to consider everything that is on the plate at the appropriate time. And that's the only way to think about this right now. As far as Daniel Jones is concerned and his future, it's strictly what do the medical people think they've got to do when they've got to do it. You get your timetable from them, the prognosis for them, and then you do everything you can to see that Daniel has a sporting chance to make it back as as close to 100% as he possibly can. Nothing else needs to be said about that scenario. And everybody is on a different pathway when it comes to recovering from a torn ACL. Look at Adrian Peterson and how quickly he came back. Torn Achilles is also varied and different. Cam Akers, the Rams running back, came back within a season. Aaron Rodgers may return. So there's no one blueprint. You really think he's coming back? I think it's possible. You believe that? I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, well, the guy's walking around, so, you know, you never know. Not that... You're losing sleep over this, so I wasn't expecting you to respond to that. I'm just throwing out multiple examples. And the other thing, Wandell Robinson, if you recall, that's why I brought up about the knee and the swelling, and we don't know what Daniel's dealing with, but Wandell, he didn't immediately get surgery on the torn ACL last season. He waited about a month till he underwent surgery. So they have to schedule the surgery, and then once the surgery finishes, then you can at least put together a legitimate timeline. I mean, just to give you an example, Kyler Murray who tore his ACL. He tore his ACL, though, in week 14 last season for the Cardinals, and clearly he hasn't returned. But you know, right now we're in week nine, so there's a difference in terms of the time period for those two quarterbacks. And I would shy away from comparing other quarterback situations, mainly because everybody's different in terms of how the surgery goes and the recovery timetable. All right, let's head back to the phone lines. Let's check in with Jim in New Jersey here on BBKL. What's happening, Jim? What do you got for us? Good morning, guys. Uh, long time, first time. And I think you two guys are probably closer to the team face-to-face than anybody else on, on the podcast. My two questions, and I'll hang up. First question is, do you think there's any dissension in the locker room? Okay? Is there a close cohesiveness between players and their coaches? Question number two, and if you two guys were the coach or John Maurer, where would you try to direct this team moving forward? Thank you very much. Well, just real quick in terms of clarification, Jim, when you say direct this team moving forward, what exactly do you mean by that? Are you talking about the remainder of this season? Is that what you're exactly. focusing on? Exactly. Are you going to fight for every game? Uh, okay, well, no, that's, that's that's all I needed to hear, and, and I appreciate the phone call, Jim. And Paul, let me start with this, because I know we're also probably going to get a lot of questions and the term tanking is going to come out. I want to make this crystal clear, okay? Players don't care about the draft. There is no player that is currently on the roster that cares about where a team is going to select in the draft the following year. Why? Because most guys, well, basically everybody in the NFL doesn't have a fully guaranteed contract. You could be cut tomorrow, okay? Well, with the exception of Deshaun Watson, of course, who is the exception to the rule. So you don't have tomorrow given, which means every game, Paul, you go out there, you are going to be judged by the current team or the team that may consider signing you next season. You are not in a position of luxury to say, these games are not important. 
I don't have to go out 100%. So when the caller asked the question about the direction of the team, you don't have to worry about the direction of these players because all of these guys, and this is a relatively young roster, Paul, right? I mean, the Giants don't have an aging veteran team too. No. Which is another reason why I would think it'd be extremely encouraging when you to sell out my point. the balance of the snaps and the age of the roster, the Giants actually are in one of the better positions of people in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes back to my point. These young guys, they don't know any difference other than they got to be hungry. They got to play hard because they know that they may not have a roster spot even on this team next season. So I would not be concerned at all with respect to getting players to be ready for the remaining games on the schedule here. You know, I'll say this to the uh, to the caller in terms of what you're looking forward to the rest of the season. I had said last week that I wanted to see the team with the asterisk of their expected lineup, which now they don't have. Their quarterback is is, is And Evan is Neal, done. by the way, got hurt, we should mention too. Evan Neal's a different ankle. His other ankle. On the left side, the yeah. So we don't know about his okay. future now. So my hopes for the five and four over the second half of the season with the expected starting lineup is now not going to happen. Okay. You still need to go out there and do what you need to do to win games. This is a coaching staff that has to maintain its its core principles about keeping focus, keeping an even keel, learning, teaching, having concentration, trying to navigate their way through tough times. If you can somehow navigate your way through this, and let's face it, folks, this is like the Hoover Dam just busted. That's how bad it's gotten. But if you can somehow get the ship through this, then any kind of adversity you have going forward in the next two, three years when you're trying to climb into contention again is going to be a hell of a lot easier because you're going to be able to tell those core guys, remember what we went through in 2023? Look, Bill Parcells in, eight, in, in 1983, my first season covering this team, 3-12-1, it was a disaster. They had 25 players on injured reserve. And you remember, injured reserve was you're done for the season. You yeah. put a guy in IR, there was no recall. 25 players, half the roster was on injured reserve and out for the season. And Parcells came back from that and said, going into the 84 season, I'm doing it my way. This is the way it's going to have to be. And you know what? We're going to go somewhere with this. And if it doesn't happen... I'll pay the price for it, and I'm not going to wind up being here. But we're, we're going we're gonna to get through this. I guarantee you that the, the, the disaster of 83 emboldened Bill and the players that he kept around to wind up moving forward. And how did that go for the Giants in the next five or six years? Pretty good, right? Sure. So, so you have to try to find something that you can grind on, you can chew on, and you can digest on through the worst of times that can pay off when you try to climb out of it and get to that other side. If you don't and just let the misery eat you up, and we've had previous coaches here in the last decade who allowed the water to, to sink the Titanic. We, we've seen that. That's not good. Nothing good comes of that. Your, your franchise just suffers more and more and more and more unless you unless you fight through. That's the challenge that this team has right now. 
And there were some players that are currently on the roster that have been here for some rough seasons for the Giants. So they've already been exposed to adversity. I mean, there is some carryover from that standpoint. The only thing I will say from a strategy standpoint, which was the other part of the question from the previous caller, I mean, they could change their approach depending on who the quarterback is, meaning the style in which you play to navigate an opponent. There are some tweaks you could use. Sure, you're going to have to. And it also depends on the opponent that you play too. Whether or not you're going to play into the hands of the defense, you're going to play into the hands of the run game, you're going to allow your quarterback to take some chances down the field. That's going to vary moving forward. But the bottom line is that even varied when Daniel Jones was the quarterback last season for the bulk of the year. So I don't really think that that would be taking it in a completely different direction. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move forward here on BBKL. Let's check in with Donnie in Queens. Donnie, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm with you. I'm not really in the mood to discuss draft picks and stuff at this point. There's there's eight games left, and I could tell you the majority of your fan base probably doesn't feel that way, so you're going to have to be fending off those calls probably for a while. A uh, couple of things for me, um, like you said, the players aren't going to take, the organization isn't going to purposely lose. I do think maybe altering the approach and maybe – Shuffling in some of the younger players, giving them more expanded roles. Someone like Eric Gray, maybe. I don't know if he's still on IR. Yeah, he's still on IR, so he's not an option right now. And they've been playing a lot of the young wide receivers anyway, Donnie. I mean, what do you think about it? More players like that, maybe uh, uh, Riley Jordan, I believe his name is. Yeah, Jordan Riley. Jordan Uh, Riley. Jordan Riley gets DJ Davidson, uh, another guy, maybe. Yeah, you you start shuffling some of those younger players in. You know, just just real quick, Donnie, it's interesting because Dable was asked about those two guys earlier this week, Paul, if you remember, Mm -hmm. and his response was, hey, we've got Ashawn Robinson, we've got Nacho. My interpretation of that was that they're working those guys along, but maybe not ready to fully throw them into the fire and take away more playing time from the other two guys. They're being groomed for for maybe potentially larger roles, but they're not just going to get them handed to them. Exactly. Yeah, no, go ahead, Tony. of course not. Yeah. But, you know, you'd like to see him get a uniform, maybe. And no doubt. Some snaps. Sure. And we've seen that. Um, to Certainly me, with Davidson more than Riley. But go ahead. There's only, there's only one major change I'd, I would like to see the rest of the year. And to me, when I don't know if the severity of his injury was yesterday, but if and when Evan Neal comes back, I would like to see him get some snaps at guard. Maybe not being realistic, but I have seen absolutely zero growth from him. In, in his year and a half now, and I don't want to do this Eric Flowers thing again where they keep just trotting a player out that is not getting the job done. At some point, the scholarship and the draft slot has to be thrown out the window. So I would like to see him maybe get some snaps at guard. And talking about the locker room, this will be my last comment, and I'm going to hop off the line. Somebody's got to tell Xavier McKinney to shut the hell up. I mean, this guy just shoves his foot in his mouth week after week. He has something stupid to say. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, really mangled his hand last year. The organization stood by him, and he, he walks around like his, uh, you know, you know what doesn't stink. So, just really sick of him, and looking forward to him not being on the roster anymore after this year. Thanks, guys. All right, Donnie. Appreciate the phone call. With respect to the offensive line that he was hitting on, remember Evan Neal still is working on finishing off his rookie year because of the injury that he dealt with last season. I know now, mathematically speaking, we're into year two. So it really depends on how the coaching staff sees the evaluation process. I know the fans' lens may be different, but you also need to feel as if you have other options that you want to slide in at right tackle or whatever it may be, and that the guys that are currently in the guard spots, and yesterday it's important to note Justin Pugh, 
moved over to left guard, which is what was expected. And then Ben Bredesen played right guard for the first time in his career. So they went with the two established vets. Mm -hmm. And then we saw Tyree Phillips become an insurance policy. So if Evan Neal can't go this week, I would think Phillips would be probably the first guy in line to assume the right tackle position. Yes. But if Evan Neal has to miss extensive time, then he has to get back to full health before you even entertain the idea of putting him in to another position. And once again, do they envision that? It, meaning, Paul, if you don't envision entertaining putting a guy in there, to me, it's pointless of putting him there just for the sake of putting him there, especially if you have long-term plans with sticking him at his normal, typical position. We've seen no hints or any evidence that they are even thinking about that to this point. Yeah, and, and you know there was a poster on one of our one of our message boards. It might have been the YouTube message board, who had claimed something about Eric Flowers. He, he I guess he wanted Flowers to be a guard all along, and said that my take on it was no, he has to be a tackle. Let's make something clear: Eric Flowers did not want to play guard for the Giants. He told them he was not going to play guard. He's not the only offensive lineman over the course of my career who has actually told the coaching staff, I'm not moving. I'm a tackle, and I'm not playing guard. He's one of them, just so that's clear. It wasn't about what I thought, what my opinion was, uh, or, or anything else for that matter. It was simple. The player said, I'm not doing it. Well, he wound up bouncing around to four or five other teams, and when he was with those teams, he decided, you know what? Maybe I better play guard or I might not have a helmet and shoulder pads much longer. So desperation and the will to survive sometimes changes someone's priorities. Sure. So let's make that very clear. Eric Flowers was not a guard option here because he was not going to do it. So just keep that in the back of your minds when you start talking about moving guys into different positions. It's not always by choice. Uh, sometimes it's it's not a choice. It's something that's not going to be workable for whatever the reason may be. Hey, there are some players that don't even want to play right tackle. They'll only play left exactly. tackle. I mean, Orlando Brown Jr., okay, who's on Kansas City. If you remember when he was on Baltimore, mm -hmm. this was the reason why he was traded. He did not want to play right tackle. So Baltimore then decided, all right, we can have an unhappy player on our roster. We get something in return. Well, Flowers didn't like that from the Giants either. When they, when they broached that to him. Yeah. Play right tackle. He wasn't happy about that either. And, and the other thing, just real quickly, and Paul, I think you and I have been on the same page. If you look at the makeup of Evan Neal and his length, you know, in order to play guard, it's a much smaller yeah, space I, you're operating in, too, just from a technical standpoint. I would not put him there. But that's just me. So, I mean, right now, I don't think anything is imminent with respect to that, at least when it comes to the duration of this season. Let's head back to the lines. We check in with Rob and Yonkers. Rob, what's happening? What do you got for us? Good, um, good afternoon, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Hi. What's on your mind? Uh, okay. All right, so I got a few things. Um, the interception uh, by Dan, uh, by DeVito, um, he, it was definitely underthrown. Um, yep. yeah. He had about, well, I said about two, more, two or three more yards, over and we 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 would have had definitely a, um, a, a touchdown. Um, I think what made it worse for our offense and Devito is when he put his elbow in Crosby's neck. He pissed him off. I was like, oh no, please don't do that. And it, it just seemed like Crosby just made him a main target after that. I well, was like, yeah, in, in fairness, though, 
Rob, do you really think Max Crosby wasn't going to play hard if that didn't happen based on your interpretation? I mean, I chuckle when I hear things like that. We're talking about a guy that leads the team in sacks, is up there in terms of the league leaders in tackles for loss. He plays every single snap, every single game. Do you really think he may have not gotten a chance to be as disruptive as he was if that didn't happen? Oh no! I, I told I told my buddy before the game. I was like, "Watch out for Max Crosby. He's gonna he's gonna he's he's a he's, more, he's a, a very good pass rusher. Sure. I was mean, so keep an eye out for him." So I already knew he he's a good pass. I already knew that, but I just felt like when he held them, because I said they had they had a few words. They had a few words. Well, yeah, Max went I, back I, up on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I I just felt like he, like he just made he made him into Mad Max. Like you really made Mad Max mad. <laughs> um, and also two um two more things. I, I seen what happened with Xavier. With Xavier, he said something. I don't know what the defense. He said the defense. They're not listening to their players. So I don't know what's going on with that. And I have three names for you: Evan Neal, Eric Flowers, and Nate Soldier. I'm sorry, Max Crosby pushed Evan Neal like he was on roller skates. I'm like, dude, you're a professional. You're like 200 pounds. How did you get pushed so far and hurt yourself? I'm I'm sorry, but I next season I don't think he should be on the team. And I'll take it off the air. You guys have a good day. All right, Rob. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, we already talked about Evan Neal, so I mean, there's not much really to add to the conversation at this point. He was hurt on the play that the caller had referenced. It was when he was being long-armed, if you recall, Paul, and Crosby was pushing back Evan Neal, and he went backwards, and that was the play. Because Evan Neal even acknowledged that after the game, that that's when he felt something on the left ankle, and he said that he was in pain. So we'll see what the practice report lays out on Wednesday, but... You lose your quarterback, there's a chance they may be down their right tackle. I think the unfortunate part about this is, and and this goes back to, Paul, what we were talking about earlier, they were trending in the direction of you're going to get the pieces back on the offensive line, you're going to get your quarterback. So we're finally going to get to the point where nobody's saying they're going to go on a 10-game win streak, but you see how things function with most of the pieces in place. Mm -hmm. Then you get to the beginning of the second quarter, you lose your quarterback, then towards the latter part of the game, your right tackle gets hurt, And all of a sudden, the encouraging signs of being able to evaluate having everybody on the field all of a sudden dissipates. And I think that really is the major disappointing takeaway of yesterday's result outside, of course, of the score. Well, once again, the the plans that you had laid forth to at least find out how you could move forward went up in smoke through no fault of your own. See, (laughs) I have this debate with my folks all the time, and I'm God bless that they're healthy and they're still around, and I'm grateful for that. But I debate with them all the time. They say, you know, only worry about the stuff that you can control. I think that's good advice. And that's great advice, right? And most people believe that. See, I see it the opposite way. It's because the stuff that I can't control is the stuff that's going to do me in. Well, that's why you have to focus on what they're talking about and not have that overwhelm you because you can't control injuries, right? Even if you were out on the field, Paul, okay, could you save Daniel Jones and Evan Neal? Even if you played, if they decided against better judgment and gave you a uniform. I can't give you a logical reason to feel otherwise. I'm just telling you that the human instinct in me is most concerned and most stressed about stuff that I can't control. Because if I can control it, guess what? I'll make it right. Well, that's Therefore, a heck of no... a magic wand then that you have. Oh, that's why there's no reason to worry about it. If I can control it, it will be right, and I've got nothing to worry about. It's the stuff that I can't control that's going to wind up breaking me 
because there's nothing I can do about it. Well, just think about if you're an NFL head coach. Well, you go through Ernie Accorsi and Ernie, I don't know if you're watching the show, but feel free to chime in. Ernie would always tell us the season was the worst part of his job because there was nothing he could do. Once the roster was set, it was up to the players and the coaches. Yeah. His job was the offseason, trying to construct the framework and the blueprint of what might succeed in the fall. Once the season started, he said he went through misery because now it was really out of his control. So, Ernie, I'm glad at least I got somebody out there who understands where I'm coming from. And you may have limited resources when you want to try to control making up for some of the issues that arise during the season. That also makes it challenging because of the existence, of course, of the salary cap. Let's head back to the phone lines. Rick is in Tampa joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Rick? All right, guys. How are you today? We're doing all right. Very depressing. Another depressing day after the, the Giants' uh, embarrassment. You know what? How do you explain that pitiful, pitiful defensive display yesterday? When you have a rookie quarterback, a coachless team, and we played well for a couple weeks in a row. How do you explain that? Where all this talk about uh, all the players made strides and then just disappeared like that. That was That's my first point. That, that goes uh, it's beyond thinking. Second is that we, Daniel Jones, was supposed to show us finally with the people getting back, with Saquon's back, that he could be the guy. And he, he looked like crap in the beginning of the game as well. You want to blame it on Russ? I don't know if you want to blame it on anything, but he, was, he, he didn't look good at all. And then he gets hurt. How can you not sit back and say that this valuation of Daniel Jones is over? We can't trust him anymore for injury, for neck. I mean, it's just we can't face our next three years as a team with him as our quarterback. We have to get a quarterback in the draft next year, and the only two, well, those two quarterbacks are the ones that are going to be in the top five picks. We be- because you them. know that they're going to finish this season healthy, right? You already know that. You know that well, they'll both be healthy, and so Williams and May are going to be the top two quarterbacks because neither right. guy's going to get hurt the rest of the way, right? You know that 100%. Because if you, you do, yeah. pass out winning lottery tickets to everybody in your neighborhood because they'll appreciate you for that. Right. Okay. With that exactly. Fact, you, have to, you have to have that thought process that you want to take one of those guys because we. Uh, you're saying that if if Daniel Jones could come back from his injury, that I mean he's going to be on the roster and he would be the quarterback in the beginning of the season if Tyrod or somebody uh, takes you know for the first couple of weeks. Well, and we would go forward with that. Rick, I mean, I mean right, right now, Daniel Jones is under contract. So, I mean, that's not I even know. a question at this point. Right, because you so, can't trade him. Right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't understand what, what your point is from that standpoint in the hypothetical world. He's under contract. The Giants, as we mentioned earlier, when the draft comes, they will have an opportunity to explore all options. But, you know, you're operating also when you start talking about these hypotheticals and you're being enamored with the quarterback, you have no idea where the Giants are going to pick. Rick, you don't. We have no idea where this team is going to finish. So if you start having your heart set on a quarterback in your hypothetical world, what happens if realistically the Giants don't get in a position to knock on that door? What are you going to do then? That well, all right. Well, they they need to all right. They need to put themselves in that position. That was my well, point. but but that school of thought I, I said is not realistic, as I pointed out, because players not, do like, not care about the no, draft. It's not. 
can. They don't care about the draft. Coaches can. Players can play, but there's decisions that are made. I'll tell you what. And that's how it as goes. a fantasy what? football general manager, you could sit there all you want, and you could tell all your players on your fantasy football team to tank. You're welcome to do that. Go right ahead. Okay. That doesn't doesn't thing, impact me at right. all. All right. If they they squeak out a game or two, they they're picking sixth or seventh. May is there. So is Williams. You t- you tr- you trade up and get one of them because you have to look. Well, but, and say, but, but, but Rick, to- all of these hypotheticals, you then need a team that is willing to swap spots with you. Do you understand? Right. There's so much unknown that you're going through. There's 75 things that would have to happen for something that you're laying out to come to fruition. We are getting so ahead of ourselves that I just I, I don't think it's practical. The road that you're I, going I, down. I, I, Listen, I, I appreciate yeah, the phone call, you, Rick. Yeah, I, I got something I'm going to run by you. Yeah. Just because people need to understand all the possibilities are within the realm of, of happening. All of them. All of them. We're not telling you anything is, is to be ruled out. But I'm just going to run one thing by you. And this is not a hypothetical. This is reality. Okay? I lived through Phil Simms' career. I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I looked this up because I didn't want anybody to question it. This is specific facts. Phil gets drafted in 79. 1980, separated shoulder misses the final three games of the season. 1981, separated shoulder misses the final six games of the season. Scott Bruner wound up taking the Giants to the playoffs. 1982, torn ligament in the preseason misses the entire year with significant knee surgery. Now, in those days, we didn't call it ACLs, PCLs, MCLs. Charlie horses, whatever the hell you want to call it. We didn't have anything for it then. We just called it major knee surgery. Technology has changed. Missed the entire season of 1982. There were people who said, you know what? He was a number one draft pick. He's now four years into the league. He's had season-ending injuries in his last three seasons. It is time to move on. It is time to tell this number one draft pick He's got to go to the scrap heap, and they got to find a new franchise quarterback. The Giants did not do that. 1983, broken thumb and broken hand. Missed the final eight games of the season. So that's four consecutive seasons, 80, 81, 82, and 83. And I went back just to make sure that nobody could question me on this, and I looked up the facts because I remembered it very well, but I wanted to be specific. Four consecutive seasons, season-ending injuries, including including one that wiped out a whole season. And what happened with Phil Simms' career? The Giants stuck with him. They didn't give up on him. They believed in him. They knew what he was. They knew what he could be. And finally, in 84, Sims was able to get back into the lineup and start doing what they thought he could do. Okay. You know how easy it would have been to give up on him in any one of those four seasons when he suffered a seasoning-ending injury and potentially career-threatening injury? So those are facts. That's history, folks. That's not hypothetical. Just to let you know that the possibilities here are endless. Nobody, nobody is telling you one, two, or three can't happen. Anything can happen. Just keep your mind open because facts are still facts. Yeah, the only difference, though, of course, is the salary cap did not exist during the course Understood. of those years and decisions now are influenced Understood. based on finances. That's the, the only the, thing the I will say. The economics were yeah. different in those days. Well, there was no financial pressure. Hence one of the reasons why the NFL was great without a cap. Well, and that's why it was also— Well, what are you going to do? It was also easier to hold on to players because you didn't have no question. that pressure to try no to question. get rid of them. And I'm not saying that that's not going to happen with Daniel Jones. We don't know. I mean, the bottom line is, once again— 
all options are on the table. All we're saying is, is that when you don't know when it, where a team is going to draft in November, it's pointless to start to speculate about where guys are going to be lined up the, or who's going to be available. The only That's the point, point that we could say in a bubble is that this is a player who went through a similar injury situation as Daniel Jones, constantly yeah. hurt over the first handful of years of his career. So strictly from a player's perspective, is it possible for a guy playing quarterback who lost a whole season with a major knee injury? And I've never actually asked Phil if it was an ACL or whatever the hell it was. Okay. Oh, he didn't have you examine it? No. Kind of surprised. No. I'm surprised that you didn't win that campaign battle. But I yeah. saw him rehab. I saw him hopping up the steps of the old Giants stadium on the first level, hopping up the entire first level of steps with one foot. Hop, 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 hop. Was it 35 rows it was? I saw him doing that, all right? I know what that guy went through. People had given him up for dead. So what I'm saying is don't just automatically think that Daniel Jones will not be hurt from again. Don't automatically think that whether it's here or somewhere else, who knows? Don't think that his professional football career is over. Don't think that. There's, 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 there's a chance. There's a chance. You know what's interesting? I, I but think there's also not a chance, too. Yeah, well, like we said, there's a variety of different situations that play out. What I was going to say is, you know, I always like to look around the league at other examples. It's interesting because Kyler Murray, who I referenced earlier in the show, unfortunately is dealing with the recovery process still of the torn ACL. And when you look at 2019, he was drafted. Same year as Daniel Jones. Yes. The two of them. And now yes. the two of them are in a situation where they're both recovering from ACLs after they were both given lucrative contracts. Yep. And you also have had new management come in for Arizona, new management come in here for the Giants. I, the more and more you look at it, not identical, but I think if you look at how things play out with Arizona and the Giants will be watching the rest of the league, no different than any other general manager, that's going to be a litmus test to look at to see how the Cardinals handle this because I'm anxious to see whether Kyler's going to get back on the field this season. I mean, right now, they got rid of Joshua Dobbs. Every week, he seems to be getting back on the practice field. We're waiting and waiting. Is next week going to be the week, the following week? I mean, we may see some of Kyler Murray this season. I think the whole point is with these hypotheticals, you can offer a wide variety of guests, of guests, any kind of result. There's nothing right now, nothing that anybody can say that's concrete, that's in stone, contrary to what people's emotions and mentalities might want to prod them into. That just doesn't make any sense. And this goes back to circle things up with our conversation. You know, we were talking about the first step is Daniel has to undergo surgery. Okay, yep. Before we even talk about anything, yep. they need to fix the injury and then they have to establish a timeline and we don't know whether or not that's going to be weeks, months, you name it. Everybody's different with respect to the ACL. And the reason you bring that up is, and I think this is what you were getting at with the land of the unknown, Paul, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Sometimes you establish a timeline, right, with a player and then, you know, things in the rehab process change no doubt. the course of action too. So that's another thing. That's why whenever general managers and front offices make decisions on where they want to go with a specific position, the medical people too are a big part of this conversation as well. To They're determine huge the part trajectory of, of the player. And huge. that's the other thing that we have no idea of at this stage in the game. Next time you or I get a medical degree, maybe we could talk about I would about say this. even if I had a medical degree, <laughs> I couldn't provide <laughs> definitive answers. You know oh, I'm not saying yes. that. I'm not saying that. But yeah. maybe maybe, maybe the guess would be worth a, a millimeter more than it is right well, now. Maybe a little bit more substance. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have never repaired an ACL, a PCL, and no. an MCL on no. my resume. Nor do I have any plans of doing that anytime soon.
So unless you want to go to the experimentation phase, but I think your knees are Heck, in good shape. Right? I, I, I had enough yeah. time repairing that little ceramic doll that I broke that was on my, my wife's desk one time. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm surprised she actually went in the direction of asking you to fix it as opposed to... Oh, no, she do. didn't know I broke it. Oh, you wait. So you broke it and attempted to fix yes. it without consulting with it. Yes. So you thought you'd glue it together. She wouldn't notice. Yes. Is this a big object? Is Small. It's a It'll tiny work. one. Did she notice? Uh, one of them worked. The other one didn't. Wait, so that this happened twice? Oh, yeah. Boy, we're we're going to need another show to make sense of this here. Wow. And I, one, one, of, one of them yeah. is still unknown. What happened? What Did you, like, knock it over? On, yes. Off a desk? Yes. Was there intent behind this? Or Not was this at all. By accident? Okay. Not right. at all. Wow. I didn't think we were going to need a psychiatrist to end the show here to go through your uh, psychological needs. And uh, strong glue did you have around the house? I don't want to give a, a company name, but... You attempted the, the I, real good stuff that you had. And one of, one of them is holding up just fine. Up. Okay. And you can't see the crack or anything like that? You've checked in? Uh, okay. Let's put it this way. To this okay. point, after this show, maybe I'll be found out. I don't know. Uh, wow. All right. Well, you get a little bit of everything, apparently, on Big Blue Kickoff Live. But I think this is an appropriate time to wrap up the festivities as we appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back up and running again, of course, on Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Tuesday right here on BBKL. Have a good one. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.